If you've ever thought of quilting your own projects but just don't know where to start, I have the perfect first steps for you. I've put together a PDF guide. I call it Three Steps Toward Freehand Freedom. These are the baby steps, but they can help you move past your overwhelm and show you that yes indeed, freehand quilting can be learned. So if you'd like to snag this PDF, there's a link in the show notes, or if you're an Instagram user, just message me three steps. That's the number three, S-T-E-P-S, and I'll send you that link. Let today be the day you get started. We love adventure. My husband always says there's nothing worse than a bored Heather. So I think it's more of me just always wanting to do something and something new is fun. I'm your host, Susan Smith, coming to you from my quilting studio, Stitched by Susan. This is where my long arm, Lucy, and I spend our days doing freehand, edge-to-edge quilting. Well, if you're not a quilter and those terms mean nothing to you, it's basically doodling on the surface of a quilt with a 50-pound writing pencil, needle and thread attached at high speeds. And if you are a machine quilter, I want to invite you to tune in to the live and unscripted events that I host on my YouTube channel. It's also called Stitched by Susan, and I'm there on the first and third Friday of every month. So these are streamed live in real time. So you basically get a chance to look over my shoulder in my studio and watch as I'm completing a whole project. And as I work, I talk through the decisions, the choices, maybe even the challenges that are in that project. And it's interactive too. And so you can ask questions and actually get answers about that project while I'm working on it. So if you'd like to be notified of upcoming events and maybe what the topics are going to be, grab my newsletter. There's a link in the show notes to sign up for that. Today's Pins and Needles is brought to you by The Will and Dave Show. Hi, I'm the Will half of The Will and Dave Show, a short little podcast that myself and the eponymous Dave like to record talking about the things that really matter to us, whether that's social, political, or pop culture. Usually we don't see eye to eye, But more often than not, we can find some common ground in there somewhere. And now, back to Pins and Needles, with a quick tip for all you sharp quilters out there. Since my guest today is a long-arm quilter, let's talk quilt prep for a second. There are just a few things that you can do that are very easy that really make your quilt much easier to handle for your long-armer. A couple of these have to do with the quilt top and some with the quilt back. So first, the top. I recommend that you give your entire quilt top one last press from the right side before you hand it off to your long armor. Be watching for seams being pressed fully open and not having any little tiny pleats caught in them. And also be watching for loose threads on the surface that you could pick off. So one final press from the top side to get everything smooth. And then take that quilt top and fold it with the seam allowances inside. This really helps to prevent fraying as you're traveling with it, handling it in and out of a bag and so forth. So fold it with the seam allowances all on the inside and the smooth finished edge on the outside and that will keep more threads from fraying off of it. And then for the backing of the quilt, I always suggest that if your quilt backing has a seam in it, fold that backing anywhere but on the seam. You can imagine if the seam has been pressed open and flat and then you fold it right along that seam, that of course closes it up again. 
So if you will fold it even an inch to the side of that seam, it will keep it much more flat and smooth and your long armor will be so happy when they go to load it on their rails. You know I love my coffee. In fact, I've got a fresh pot brewing right now. If you are interested in supporting this podcast, you can go to buymeacoffee.com forward slash stitched by Susan. There for the price of one delicious coffee, you are able to make a one-time contribution or sign up for a monthly one if you so desire. Thank you so much for your support. I really appreciate it. And maybe take a moment now to refill your cup as you settle back to enjoy today's interview. My guest today is Heather Cartwright, and I first got to know Heather as a dealer for the brand of long arm machine that I use. But in getting to know Heather a little bit, I realized that there's a lot more to her story. So she's going to join us today and tell us some of her background, some of the businesses that she's been involved in, and the many years of experience quilting that she has, and also some of her side hobbies that she enjoys alongside the quilting. I'm welcoming Heather into the studio today. I'm so glad you could be with me. Thank you, Susan. It's good to be here. I first got to know you, Heather, um, because you're a gamel representative. And of course, I do my long arm quilting on a gamel. But before we kind of dive into what you're doing these days in your business, let's talk a little bit about what brought you to this point. So, you know, did you learn to sew in your childhood? Is there someone who introduced you to sewing or quilt making or kind of what's the story there? Well, my mother was an avid sewist and seamstress, actually. She um, had a bridal business where she made wedding dresses, and she tried to get me to sew my entire childhood, but I was not interested at all, and in fact, um, didn't become interested until I was pregnant with my fourth child and last, and I wanted to make a rag quilt. I had seen a rag quilt from a friend of mine, and I I just was intrigued, so I decided I was going to just teach myself and make a rag quilt for my my baby, and I did, and it was a little addicting. So from there, I, I couldn't stop, but I didn't, um, I, I don't know if I didn't look for classes or I just didn't realize there were classes out there and available, so I self-taught and didn't have the right equipment and moved on to a real quilt. I made a yellow brick road and I cut it out with scissors because I didn't know they had those fancy pizza cutters for fabric. <laughs> so it was it was quite the journey, you know, where I've where I began was was kind of primitive, actually. Which is not a bad thing. No, no. But I did. So I did make a, a couple. I was successful with that first um, yellow brick road pattern. So I made a few more and I hand quilted them all because I was too nervous to take them to a quilter. I thought. Surely I'm not doing this right, and they will just cringe at whatever I bring them. <laughs> so I hand-quilted my first three or four quilts the old-fashioned way. Which, which has frame. its own beauty, doesn't it? Oh, so you had, a, you had a frame and not just I, kind of in your lap? I borrowed it from my mom. Nice. She had the whole stands from the church ladies, and we, I put it up in, the, in our big family room and hand-quilted. So that was, that was where my journey started. Well, that is very much how I learned to quilt too. And, and, you know, in my childhood, we were a bunch of kids in my family and our favorite place to play was building forts under that big old quilting frame that took up the whole thing. So, yeah. I have lots of fond memories of that as well. Indeed. 
Okay, so fast forward then to how did you meet long arms? How did that come across your horizon? Well, I really got into sewing and um, joined a little group of, of other quilters through my church and we would meet and I learned a lot from them. And one day my um, husband for our anniversary, he wanted to take me to Las Vegas and he said, I want you to pick any show you'd like to go to, wherever, whatever show you want to go to for, for, I think it was maybe my birthday. And I got down to Las Vegas and saw they were having a shop hop. And I thought, wow, I've never done a shop hop. This is so exciting. I said, I want to go on the quilting shop hop. And he said, the what? <laughs> he had never heard of that before. And I said, it's where you go from quilt shop to quilt shop. And they do fun things. And it, they have specials. And I think he probably couldn't think of anything worse in his mind that we could, could have possibly done. But he was such a good sport. He said, okay, let's shop hop. So we went around to all the shops in Las Vegas. And he, at the time, was uh, a financial advisor. So the first few stops, he sat in the car and just let me take my time. And then I said, you should come in. So he came in and saw all these crazy ladies, you know, this store full of, of bizarre women just gathering up armloads of fabric. And so then he started Googling, what kind of industry is this quilting industry? <laughs> and he was shocked at the size of the industry. So he started asking questions. Where, where do you buy your fabric? And I said, well, I drive. At the time, I lived in a little tiny town called Kimberly, Idaho. I said, I drive to Rupert to the gathering place. It's a fabulous store. They have, I think, 10,000 bolts of fabric. And he said, you have to drive 45 minutes to buy fabric? And I said, yeah. And he said, gosh, you should open a fabric store. And I was like, what? I mean... What husband ever says you should open a fabric store? That's, That's true. That's just not something I expected. And nor was it something I had ever thought about. So at the time he was building, um, he was doing some commercial development and he was building a little strip mall and he said, we'll save you a spot for your fabric store. And I thought, okay, that gives me a couple years to mull this over. Well, one day he was dry, came home from work. He was driving down our little main street and it's hundred year old buildings with big f display windows in the front. And he came home so excited. He said, your quilt shop is for sale. It's on main street. You have to have it. It's the perfect quilt shop. So here sat this building with original hardwood flooring, um, rails, all, a balcony with rails all the way around. It was tin, um, crown moldings and tin ceilings, beautiful, beautiful, huge display windows on Main Street. And I mean, I just had to do it. So Who we bought the no. building. Yeah, I know. And I had to do it quickly before he changed his mind, right? So we, we hurried and threw together a, a business plan and an LLC and a small business loan and the whole nine yards, bought the building, um, started the quilt barn in Kimberly, knowing nothing about running a quilt store, um, kind of flew the plane while we were building it, so to speak, and opened this business. And it was maybe one of the most fun things I've ever done, to be honest. I loved it. That's great. So that was fabric and kits and those sorts of things, but still not the long arms for which I know you today, right? Well, I had a friend who said, you know, it's a shame to open a quilt shop and not put a long arm in it. And she happened to know a gal that had one for sale. And so I went and looked at it and her mom had been running it for her and her mom had cataracts and couldn't really quilt anymore. And so I completely lucked into this 
um, computerized gamel for my quilt store. And I bought it with about three hours worth of training and put it in the store and practiced on a few quilts. And thankfully, the software was very easy to learn and very forgiving. And I was honestly nervous about people trusting me with their quilts because I had never long-armed a quilt in my life. I hadn't even sent one to a quilter before. And so we open up our store, it has a long arm and the quilts just start flooding in. And I was so surprised. Nobody asked, you know, let me see your work. What do you, are you good at this? <laughs> and so, and we, you know, as we started hanging samples up in the store, I'm sure they, they felt a little better, but we never caught up. We were never caught up the whole 10 years I had that store. We ended up adding a second machine a year later because we were so swamped. And um, we ran two Statlers in the quilt barn for about eight years, just six days a week, solid. Wow. And um, it was it was a, an amazing business. Wow. And you must have just, you know, the right time, the right place and just filled that need obviously, that was in your area. If you had to drive so far to a quilt shop, possibly people had the same problem with getting quilting services too. Absolutely. And there was a lot of, of custom quilters in our area, but there were not a lot. There wasn't a computerized machine in our area. So we were able to fill kind of a little um, niche that, that the custom quilters really didn't want to fill, so right. to speak. They like to right. use their creative energies. We We would send those custom quilts to them and they would send the edge to edge business to us. And it was a very, um, a very good relationship Perfect. to have. So uh, just, just in case our listeners don't know, do you want to give a few second definition of what custom is versus edge to edge? Absolutely. So an edge to edge design is a pattern that's quilted over the whole face of the quilt. So if it's a floral pattern, it repeats itself maybe every 12 to 18 inches and the whole quilt is just covered with flowers um, or, you know, whatever design, if it's a geometric design. Whereas a custom quilt, they will actually quilt certain motifs in each block of the quilt or the pattern. So if it's a star, each triangle in the star or diamond in the star will have its own beautiful pattern in it. And everything is, is designed ahead of time right. and unique. It and takes a lot more time. Yes, and they're two quite different styles. Absolutely. Um, and within within those niches, there are even smaller ones. So you do all your work on a computerized gamel. I tend to work, I do the same type of edge-to-edge -edge work, but I do it all freehand. So my designs don't exactly repeat every 12 to 18 inches. They repeat whenever I feel go. like it. That's <laughs> true. And see, being in the computerized world, that's something that I that just doesn't come to my mind right away, but you're right. And I, I admire long arm quilters who, who are hand guided quilters because I don't feel like I have that gift of artistry and that artistic ability to, you know, just draw on fabric with, with thread like you guys do. I admire I that. Never say oh. never. Cause I never thought of myself as an artist either, but in the same way, I admire your skills with technology and with digitizing designs and things like that. That does not come easily to me. So good thing there's room for all of us. That is a good thing. Okay. So what are you doing these days? And maybe we should, I know this, but our listeners don't. Your husband has joined you in the business now, right? What did that change over yes. look like? And, and is he fully converted to quilting? <laughs> well, he, you know, he hasn't, 
he, he's pretty good at it, actually. He can run that computerized machine when he has time, but he rarely has time nowadays. So um, my husband used to come into the store quite often on the weekends to help, and ladies would get a little nervous when he started unrolling their fabric to make their cuts. And he used to have to assure them that he was a very generous uh, person when it came to cutting fabric. He'd always give them an extra couple inches. So then they became... Uh, they actually liked him to cut their fabric. They would wait for him because they knew they'd get a little extra. <laughs> That's funny. Stand in line for the, yeah. Yes. So he would help me a lot with um, any maintenance on the machine um, as our dealer was really far away. And then um, his job changed and we needed to move to the Boise area. So I took my two Statlers, closed my quilt shop, and I brought my two machines and put them in a she shed on our property here in Emmett and just quilted for other people and enjoyed it so much. It's a wonderful home-based business. I got to make my own hours. I got to see, you know, all the different beautiful quilts that people would bring in and use my, my creative ability. I do have to pick the, just the right pattern for those quilts. And it was a lot of fun. One day, um, the, a liaison from Gamel stopped by and we actually had a relationship with him from our quilt store. He was our Janome rep and had gone on to work for Gamel. And he stopped by to see if we were interested in becoming a Gamel dealer. And so we thought that sounds like a fun adventure. So we said, sure. And we became the dealer for Montana, Idaho and Wyoming. Well, I became the dealer rather because my husband still had a full-time job and traveled quite a bit. But he would do service for me, um, my son and my husband. And so about one week a month, I would send them out on the road to service machines and set machines up. And it, it was great. It was wonderful. We really enjoyed getting to know all of the, the quilters and long armors in the area. And we're thrilled to represent Gamel. I, I feel like it is really the most maintenance-free machine that is out on the market today. Um, I ran two of those in my shop for 10 years and had one maintenance call the whole 10 years I had them. So I feel like that is a testimony to how they're built. And I was thrilled to be able to keep going as a home-based business and then become a dealer for them to represent Gamel. And we did that up until just this last fall. That's awesome. When Gamel made some big changes. Right. And now the, the whole servicing and dealership is, is a different format. And that's not really the point of this podcast, but it has been quite an adventure for you then, change after change. Yes. And you and your husband certainly are not um, hesitant to do, you know, big new things. I like that. We love adventure. We we don't like, well, my husband always says there's nothing worse than a bored Heather. So I think it's more of me just always wanting to do something and something new is fun. Yeah, New Horizons, New Horizons. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious because I too, you know, run a home-based business and something that I am always um, working at, never quite achieve, is this whole, you know, work-life balance. So this obviously, these businesses were going on in the process of your children growing up. What are some of the things you did to maintain that kind of balance and sanity perhaps in your life? You know, that is... A struggle and it has been a struggle for me as well and I know when we were renovating that old hundred-year-old building 
we put in so many hours and the kids, you know, we brought roller skates and skateboards and they played and rode their bikes. It was a huge building. So they were able to hang out there a lot. But at one point, my daughter, who was just going into kindergarten, came up at the end of a long day and said, Mom, I just want to go home. And I said, Oh, sweetie, we live here now. And I was joking, which was <laughs> distasteful for a kindergartner. <laughs> and she just started crying. And she goes, we do. And I said, no, 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 I'm kidding. It just feels like it. We don't really live here. But um, it was hard. And we tried to involve the kids as much as we could and give them, you know, jobs and help them earn money. And they loved that. And it was nice the, the way the quilt barn was positioned geographically. My kids could walk there after school. So they would do that and do their homework in the classroom and things like that. So they uh, they always say I was raised in a barn because the quilt barn and they, they were raised in a barn pretty um, and we all laugh, but <laughs> they were pretty good sports about it. It did. It does take a lot of time running your own business. It's a lot of work and not for the faint of heart. That's for sure. It's true, you know, but for every disadvantage, there's a great advantage too. And you touched on a couple of them earlier, being able to set your own hours, being able when you need to, to take time off. I think you work harder when you work for yourself overall, but at least Absolutely. it's more flexible. You get to make some of those decisions. So, yeah. Absolutely. I find that too. You, you take those calls in the evening and you just want to take care of your customers and you definitely put in more hours. That's for sure. You definitely do. Well, from a customer, not very often, but I've been a customer a couple of times. You and your husband have excellent customer service. So kudos to you Thank for that. Thank you. Thank you. Maybe since we're talking about balancing, tell us about some of the other things that you do in your life that kind of get you away from quilt quilting and, and give you a, a reset, if you will. Sure, sure. I am a woman of many hobbies, so I do love the outdoors and I love gardening. My most favorite thing to do is to spend time with my miniature cows. I started this adventure a few years ago, and I'm raising micro miniature cattle. They are a dwarf version of fluffy, adorable cows. Okay, grow, so about how tall? They stay under 36 inches tall. How big fully is a baby? Grown. A baby, our smallest baby was 16 inches tall oh when she goodness. was born. And they, they're the size of a little baby goat when they're born. They're so tiny, but they have hair and they're fluffy and they're adorable. And the breed is very docile. So I call them grass puppies because you walk out and they run up to you and start licking you and they love to be scratched and brushed and loved on. And they are a wonderful, wonderful pet. Too fun. They're so much fun. I can just imagine when you're having a rough day quilting or even just a long day quilting, the yes. joy of just going out and scratching behind their ears. Yes, it's so much fun. Well, before we go, I wondered if you have some little gem of wisdom that you'd like to share with our listeners. It can be about life in general or kids or businesses or craft, just whatever you like. You know, when I was opening my quilt store, I went down to Moda and they had a Moda University and I was talking with the owner of Moda and I asked him for a piece of advice as I started this journey and his advice rang true and it it has served me well and it was be as generous as you can and I tried to remember that as I ran a business and try to remember that still today even in my relationships not that aren't business related but if you are as generous as you can possibly be it will come full circle and good things will come back to you very wise words thank you for that 
Well, thanks so much for sharing some of your stories with us today. I sure appreciate it. Well, thank you for having me on your podcast. It was really fun. Thank you so much for tuning into the show. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider leaving a review on Apple Podcast or the podcast app of your choice. It really helps other listeners to find the show so that they can enjoy these stories too. Plus, I would love to hear from listeners who'd like to nominate a crafter with a story to tell. If you know such a person, email me at info at stitchedbysusan.com. And don't forget to CC the nominee. So until next time, may your sorrows be patched and your joys be quilted.